Hey everyone, just want to encourage you to find us on your listening platform and give us a rating. Anywhere you listen to that has a rating system, go on over and give us a rating and maybe leave us a review. Let us know your thoughts. These ratings really do help. Thank you so much for listening. On to this week's episode. 13 years ago, Jake Scully was first transported to the planet of Pandora. And now, 13 years later, we revisit him as he has successfully transitioned into a Navi lifestyle with his wife. And thus, this is the basic premise for the new film, Avatar Way of Water, the long-awaited sequel to the highest grossing film of all time, Avatar. But is 13 years too long? Does anyone care? I mean, people went and see it. It's one of the highest grossing films of all time, but do we love it? Was this long-awaited film worth it? These are some of the questions we're going to ask today on Remakes, Reboots, and Revivals. We don't have Rolando with us today, but we got Eddie, and we have a special guest. His name is Brandon, and uh, I can't wait for today's discussion. And I am Nicole, and this is Remakes, Reboots, and Revivals, an original podcast about unoriginality. Welcome, everybody, to an episode of Remakes, Reboots, and Revivals. We are sans Rolando today, but we do have Eddie Z. Hello, everyone. And we are joined by a special guest, uh, a former colleague of mine and a person who I just love stalking on Instagram because he's just like, he's a geek like us. And we need that kind of energy on the show. Uh, his name is Brandon Way, and he is an admirer of animation, but he's also an animator. He's in the motion graphics world over in Los Angeles. So he's joining us via Zoom. Brandon, so happy you're here. Thanks, Nicole. Love it. Love being here. And uh, nice to meet you, Eddie. Yes, yes. This is the first time you guys have met, so. Yes. Uh, I'm just excited to have you on. Um, just to like kind of prepare, you know, audiences for like, your kind of like level of media intake and stuff. Can you share with us some of your favorite properties that you indulge in, whether it's a movie, a video game, comic book, TV show, whatever it may be? Yeah. So I've been following, you know, I've been following Marvel since, you know, Iron Man. Uh, and I love, love like on the occasion, the occasional DC movies and, um, let's say Parks and Recreation. And <laughs> yeah, anytime like Parks and Rec is on, is like, like in my mind, I'll watch it. Oh, and okay. uh, yeah, some more recent stuff is game. Uh, the What's that game? The Throne Show? The, that's terrible. Oh my uh, God, we, it just won last night too. House yeah, I did. House of Dragons. Yeah. So like, you know, whatever is popular and then every once in a while I'll delve into something different. And, uh, but yeah, I'm excited to talk about today's, uh, today's movie. Yes. Yeah, very really excited. I just want to also compliment you on your Comic-Con outfit. Uh, you went dressed as, uh, oh my gosh, I forgot his name. Steven Yen. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Jupe, Jupe Park Juke. from uh, Nope. From nope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I actually went to, so I went to a screening of Nope uh, in the Santa Monica area like a couple of weeks back and I went dressed up as that because there was a Q&A. And oh uh, look, it was like the editor, the uh, producer, then they, they all, like the moment I went up to them after the Q&A because everybody's leaving, they're like, were you at Comic-Con? we saw that we were getting photos around and i was like yes was like, oh, oh my, my gosh that just oh. that's the best that's they the were best. like they're they like we're like yeah we sent a couple to jordan i was like yes yes this is so awesome oh my yeah. gosh so jordan peele you were on his mind you crossed yeah, paths I, with him yes no i i mean i was on his mind i never got any reposts but hey you know <laughs> yeah i'll take anything wow. i can get from them it was so cool so cool <laughs> that's that's awesome and Nope, Thanks. I think, was one of the best films of last year. So I'm happy to see that that got represented by you. Yeah, but it, yeah, unfortunately, it didn't get represented at the Globes at all. I was just like... Yeah, kind of sh- not surprising. Because, um, I don't know, in some ways, the Globes are pretty uh, predictable. Last night, uh, the Golden Globes aired <clears throat> on a Tuesday, which, I don't know, do people care about award shows anymore that they're putting oh, yeah, on yeah. Tuesday? Yeah, I was kind of wondering how much of a vacuum this uh, show is. Are we following certain like the recent like like news reel of uh, the week? That's uh, yeah, yeah. This that. we are. Uh, this video, this episode is going to be live on a Thursday, so like literally two days ago, uh, oh, according okay. to this timeline. And okay, so- uh, Avatar did not win a thing. No, the film I'm we not- are talking about today. 
I'm not surprised about that, actually. Oh, you're not surprised. Okay. Yeah. No. Well, I was I was a little surprised. So the best picture musical or comedy went to The Banshees of Minasheran, which I am so happy about because I love that movie. And then best picture drama went to The Fablemans, which I was cool with, but was kind of, I don't know, not in love with. And I was expecting Avatar to at least get something. Um, I think I was... So I think I was one of the few people who was kind of uh, not a fan. Not that I wasn't a fan of uh, The Fable Ones, but not really digging it as much as most like people. Yeah. Do. I mean, a lot of people's critique of it is that it's a little self-indulgent. And it's that's 100% true. Um, and like how much, you know, do I want to like, like learn about your backstory and kind of like applaud you for being like who you are, even though you're Steven Spielberg. <laughs> Like, it, I don't know. It's just as a narrative thing. But whatever. We're not here to talk about the Fablemans. We are here to discuss Avatar, uh, the long-awaited, in quotation marks, revival of the Avatar series. James Cameron first announced that there would be a sequel to Avatar back in, what was it, I think? I think he, as soon as 2010, after the first film. And then they said it's going to come out in 2014. And then they pushed it back to 2017. And then they pushed it back. Like, they kept pushing it back. Until they finally settled on December 16th, 2022. So this film's been out for a month. And it's already broken some records. Um, It was the fourth highest grossing film of 2022. But it's currently the highest grossing film of 2023. Not saying much. It's only been two weeks. And it's almost at the $2 billion mark worldwide. Which is kind of surprising because I don't know if you remember this, Eddie, but last week when I was like, when are we doing Avatar? When are we doing Avatar? Everybody's talking about it. You guys were kind of like, really? People are talking about it? I haven't heard about it. Like, I feel like the word around it is just not as, it's not as ubiquitous as the first film. And I don't know. I It's interesting because number wise, the film is performing incredibly well. But is it having the same impact as the first film? And let's try and remember what it was like in 2009. I mean, this was a huge movie. It's the highest grossing film of all time. And it got so much press. It got so much attention on it. I mean, I, I remember seeing Avatar. What Did you guys see Avatar in theaters when it first came out? Yeah? Yes. So, Eddie, tell me about when you saw Avatar for the first time. Okay, I saw Avatar for the first time. I, I am one of those people that really love the movie. I love the whole special effect. For me, it was like nothing I've never seen before. Mm. Uh, it, the whole 3D IMAX experience. Uh, I actually ended up seeing it a couple of times because I was one of those people that was almost addicted to this world in the sense of the how it made me feel, how beautiful it was, how bright it was, how a uh, sense of alive. And I remember I went with some the, my friend, Celso, who I went with that the first time. And then we went again the second time. Um, walking out of the theaters and feel like, oh, the world is so dull and, and dark <laughs> compared to yeah, you know, the You know, having that kind of experience. But I definitely did. I, yeah, I enjoyed it. Brandon, what about you? Before we, I tell you, actually, Eddie, there is actually a condition for it called post-Avatar dep- depression syndrome, because wow. the reaction, the initial, the initial reaction to seeing Avatar for the first time is like, oh my God, there's so many colors. And then you come in, you get out the theater and you see real life and you're like, oh, this, this is bull. Like, this not. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I would say I had more like, not depression, but sadness, like post-sadness of just being in the real world after that. Wow. <laughs> Yeah. So uh, my experience watching it for the first time was actually when I was working at Disney World uh, in 2009, Christmas 2009 or ish. And uh, we we'd already heard a lot because I, you know, this is fresh out of working at going through school at Digital Media at Drexel. And, um, you know, we all heard about it, but then didn't know enough about it. And then once the press started hyping up, I was like, oh, man, we have to see this after, you know, after seeing uh, the Polar Express and uh, the only things we knew about 3D animation was what we saw from Robert Zemeckis and those were terrifying watches. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so seeing Avatar for the first time and like just my jaws just dropped. I was like, holy, wow, this is, the colors are so vibrant. I've never seen 3D done in such a way. Like it's like, 
like Cam, I felt like Cameron knew exactly what was wrong with those movies, and then broke everything with this movie. And that was how um, I got to see it. I got to see it twice, both on IMAX, and I was like, yeah, wow. And I, I kept on afterwards. So you know, every once in a while, whenever Avatar was on, I'd watch it in theaters and uh, oh, watch it watch it on TV. And then I saw it again uh, in September when they were getting ready to, you know, ahead of previewing uh, of uh, The Way of Water. This is great because I had uh, a very different experience. I remember when Avatar came out in December 2009, it was a snowstorm where I was. And so the only way I could see it is if I walked to my local movie theater, which was about uh, a mile and a half away. And I had to like, you know, there were, I had to go down hills, up a hill. I had to walk a little bit on like a highway bridge to get to my theater. And um, maybe it was that experience that really like affected how I watched it. But after I watched it, I was like, that movie was boring. <laughs> and that movie, I've seen it before. And I definitely was part of the hate train. I don't know if you guys remember, but like South Park came for it really huge with Dances with Smurfs, which I actually think is such a wonderful episode. Um, <laughs> I still can hear Cartman doing Wendy as the villain. Um, and yeah, I was just like, why? I don't get the hype. And I've pretty much kind of at least maintained that position of I don't get the hype. I've kind of been like, more, I've eased up on my criticism of it because I love audience pleaser movies. You know, anything that gets people excited and to the theater, I'm always going to be an advocate of and always love and appreciate them for. Um, but I just like was shocked because I was like, why do people love this story when it's just a regurgitation of other stories? Like, is it merely just about the visuals? Which is gonna kind of go into my overall feelings about this new film. Um, I didn't also see it IMAX or 3D. So maybe that's also why. But with Avatar Way of Water, I saw it IMAX. And I saw it 3D. Uh, Brandon, did you see it IMAX 3D? Yeah, um, and I, I don't know if you saw you saw it on the with the high frame rate too, right? I mean, yes. I'm presuming that's how yes. they were all set up. Yeah. Yeah, I did. Um, Eddie, did you see IMAX 3D? Okay, so we all saw we all saw it properly. Let's say in quotation marks, because if you're gonna see this movie, you kind of have to go all the way in. Um, did you guys hear that like people were reporting motion sickness from this movie? I wouldn't put it past them for that, honestly. So, you know, I experienced one moment where I got a little dizzy in the film and it was really early on. And it was, I think it was like when, um, the Colonel was like floating and like the, the camera was doing like this 180 slow thing. And I was like, Whoa, I like <laughs> felt it moving for a second. Um, okay, so let's get into Avatar The Way of Water. Uh, pretty much plot minimal because we'll dive into characters in different moments, but we are returning to Jake Scully, our marine hero of the first film, as he has successfully, uh, let's say, transitioned to Navi life. And he has a family with Neytiri. Uh, they have four children, right? Is it three biological and one adopted? They have yeah. two sons and a young daughter and an adopted daughter, uh, Rose, who is actually the child of the Sigourney Weaver character from the first film. I think her name was Grace. Uh, does that sound yeah. right? Um, uh, yeah, Grace was the name of the of Sigourney's character. And yeah. the, the, the daughter... Kiri, Kiri, Kiri. 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 Wow, I guess... I don't know why I thought it was Rose. Um, and you have different different uh, Cameron movie. <laughs> James, they all start to blend together after a while, <laughs> especially the ones in water. Um, yeah, and they also have a best friend. Uh, it's a human boy whose name is Spider, and he is the son of uh, Colonel Quaritch, I believe his name is. Yep. Sweet, awesome. Yeah, and they're just like living their best lives on Pandora until. Colonel Courage has now transitioned into a Navi person because he is down. He is pretty much going to hunt Jake Scully down. He is out for vengeance. He is out for blood. And he's like not going to stop at anything. But additionally, you know, the RDA, I think they're back and they're going like really hardcore now with trying to establish their own kind of sector on Pandora because Earth is still dying. 
Um, and that's the general like basis for this film. But plot wise, okay, so this movie is three hours and 12 minutes. It's very long. At any point, did you guys feel the length when you watched this movie? Like, Brenda, did you, were you like, wow, this really feels three hours? Um, honestly, I mean, this is going to sound really biased, but no, I honestly didn't. Um, I kind of felt like that it was a very, like, maybe there are some sequences where, yeah, maybe like, like the pacing was a little slow. Like I was kind of like, every time I was drawn back to Quaritch and Spider, actually, I was like, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> Let's move. Let's move on. Let's go. Mm, let's go back to the yeah. underwater scenes. Yeah, the underwater. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. We we'll get to that in a bit. Um, Eddie, did you ever like? Did you feel the pacing was strong for this three-hour, twelve-minute movie? So no, I didn't. I actually, I, 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 I felt I was immersed in the world automatically. I was back in Pandora. I was in heaven. Uh, <laughs> I think the only thing was, and this had nothing to do with the movie was that the theater I went to decided to do 45 minutes of previews. 45 oh. minutes. Wow, that's double the normal time. No. Was, it was basically the theater for four hours. Did, did you see I ended up... Wow. Did you see it at AMC or did you see it? Because you also have to remember the Nicole Kidman. Uh... <laughs> AMC, we make movies better. Yeah. We make movies better. Yeah. <laughs> No, you guys. You real. guys go. Did you go to Carasotis in uh, Secaucus? Uh, no, I went to I went to an AMC more in uh, South Jersey. Oh wow! Oh okay. Oh, did you go? To, oh my gosh! You might have gone to one that I went to. Um, yeah, AMC plays twenty five minutes of trailers. I clocked it once. Twenty, but that's also including Nicole Kidman's little thing. Um, somehow, it's, it's somehow long. heartbreak feels somehow yeah. heartbreak feels right in a place <laughs> like this. <laughs> it went from two D previews to three D previews. Yes, the Mission Impossible preview was probably my my favorite uh, time at the theater. <laughs> I could not wait for that movie. Um, before we get into the water portion of this, too, you know, we meet the children. Let's talk a little bit about the children. Uh, the children are um, I'm going to say these names all wrong. Nateyam, uh, Lokai, or Loak. Took and Kiri. And I don't know about you guys, but the moment I saw the dynamic of Loak and Nitayam, where Nitayam's like the perfect son and Loak is the outcast and can never do his brother justice, I got a new spoiler alert that Nitayam was going to die from the moment. Like, it's kind of like you know where the story is going, but is it going to do the story well? Is a different thing. But I, I, I saw it coming. Um, what do you guys think about like these children? Do you feel like there are too many of them for us to get emotionally connected or, or do you think that their storylines and they're established? Cause this is like kind of the first hour of the movie. And plus let's throw spider in there too. The five kind of kids. Like what are some of your guys thoughts uh, on the kids? Brandon. Um, the two brothers dynamics on point. Um, I kind of saw one of them dying and I think the more responsible one is definitely the one that was going to go. Spoiler alert. Um, Took, oh, Took was the, the youngest daughter, right? Yeah. You have, to, you have to have the cute one in there. And, um, you do. Yeah. Uh, the one that I actually was not interested in, but I kind of like understood why he was in there was actually Spider. Um, I, you know, I mean, actually, I feel like in later movies, like if they're going to grow Spider's role, I feel like it's going to be, he's going to be really, I would like him a lot more, but I think just as a technical aspect, I think I appreciated him being in the movie because it kind of like made us remember that everything we're seeing is actually like both real and not real at the same time because he mm. actually grounds us into this world of animated creatures. He's the only one pretty much at one point out of everything else, like almost like Jungle Book style with Mowgli being the only real thing in the entire movie. So yeah, yeah. That was that was really crazy. So it actually made me realize, holy shit, this is still an animated movie. Like everything we're seeing is not real. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like watching like a Disney live action movie. <laughs> right. Because they're primarily animation. Uh, Eddie, what about you? There were too many kids. No. Well, I kind of, yeah, there was a point where I wasn't keeping up with all the different characters. Uh, I, I do know from stuff that I read way before that the movie came out that, um, that the idea was that it would be transitioning, that the story would be moving on to in the hands of the children mm. and they will grow up Dora and kind of take, and the storyline would be more about them. Mm. 
So even had this feeling that that the way of the water was a kind of transitional movie mm. in that mm. um, from from the they're moving on from you know the torch from their parents to their their children and it's going to be the kids figuring this out yeah as they towards adulthood yeah here. and definitely uh, like the torch getting past the loak and stuff mm -hmm. I did find the spider character interesting um, and him having kind of a lot of the dilemmas of what it is to um you know grow in a, and grow up in a different culture and really appreciate that culture but not truly being part of it you mm -hmm. know um not having kind of like um the truest connection to it because you can't breathe the air let's even say that which mm -hmm. came up a couple of times um too and one of the interesting things that i found myself doing was counting the fingers of the kids uh, because uh, if you're a Navi, a true Navi, you have four. If you're a hybrid, you have five, right? So mm -hmm. some kids had four and some kids had five. So I kind of found that uh, interesting. Yeah. Well, I love that nod to animation because classically, all like cartoon characters have four fingers. Um, right. That's always been a thing. So it's like he's kind of, you know, uh, respecting his animation elders in that way by giving that addition to the Navis. Um, but I'm surprised nobody's bringing up Kiri, who is played and voiced by Sigourney Weaver. <laughs> Sigourney Weaver doing a 16-year-old. <laughs> okay, so I thought that would be like a whole separate thing in itself. Because yeah, it's so, same here. Same here. It's so fascinating and complicated and... I don't know what where they're going. Are they going with a messiah uh, character? Is this kind of a messiah character that they're introducing? Um, but yeah, we can talk more about that. Yeah, no, it is interesting because they're establishing her and Lowak in kind of similar but you know parallel uh, trajectories for the rest of the series. And um, I guess my big thing was that I kind of didn't understand how she was Grace's child. Uh, can someone explain that to me? I, th I think essentially that Messiah concept is there. I think because in the last movie, when Grace passed away, she said she saw, she connected with, uh, with, um, with the, what was the name of the guy? The Awa. She connected with Awa. Mm. And uh, I feel that her Kiri is basically like, you know, she was considered immaculately conceived essentially I see. it like, was immaculate i got it that's what i figured um the immaculate conception term because it it um immaculate conception at least for uh for catholicism doesn't negate sex just mm. negates original sin and conception really mm -hmm. so like the blessed like the virgin mary she was immaculate conceived her parents had sex to have you know to conceive her but the sense of a virgin birth you know, uh, but then they threw they throw out um, th this theory that possibly that when Sigourney Weaver was in her avatar, um, that um, that she had hooked up with someone else Dang. in her avatar, because there were several scientists around and yeah. everyone had their and long hours in the lab lead to interesting situations it was yeah. definitely not norman it was definitely not norman i did not see <laughs> that thing uh that's what i thought i was like okay maybe they're just not establishing it yet you know it's like it's to come to be explained um but i had a very i had a very like neo-esque from the matrix sort of vibes with kiri over the course of the development of the movies if we're gonna like over outdo overthrow the whole spoiler thing i felt like oh my god She's Neo, because by like revolutions, he's able to connect to the computers outside of the world and he's controlling machines. And like literally at that point when she like, when Kiri uh, like is underwater and she like summons like the sea creatures of the deep to uh, stop the um, the crab robots. I was like, oh my God, this is totally, yeah. <laughs> it's totally not out a, a, a grab from uh, the Matrix Resurrections. True, yeah. No, I, I agree that there is this messiah uh, complex going on. And I actually enjoyed her character a lot. Um, it just like I couldn't like I couldn't help but picture Sigourney Weaver on a soundstage, you know, acting out <laughs> these scenes with the other kids uh, because I just I just thought it was the most uh, hilarious image ever. 
I mean, um, granted, Tom Tom Hanks actually did play like a kid in 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 uh, Polar Express. So oh god, yeah, but that movie's creepy. <laughs> okay, yeah, but I'm not saying I'm not saying that Sigourney Weaver did a bad job. Like it's like this, it's funny, but it's you know. yeah, yeah. Um, so pretty much, the rest of the plot comes into motion when Courage comes and he he starts extreme violence in uh, Jake's area. And um, I guess kind of, I guess the mountain, I don't, I, I don't know the terminologies very well of Avatar, uh, but it's enough violence to scare him and to make him decide that he needs to pack up and leave and relocate with his family, kind of like a witness protection thing. And he decides that he's going to go far away to a different clan and to a different type of Navi people who are not forest people, but are water people. Um, so the, I think... The name of the clan is uh, okay. I don't know the name of the clan, but they're the Reef people, and uh, the the chief is Tonawari, and his wife is Ronal. And uh, Tonawari, uh, I know the wife is played by Kate Winslet, and I think Tonawari is played by Cliff Curtis. I immediately knew it was Kate Winslet. I was like waiting for her the whole movie, so I was like, "That's her." Uh, I, I. All right, so the introduction to the water people and this whole different clan of Navi people who even have like different uh, blue colors to them, you know. Uh, what did we think about like introduction to a brand new area of Pandora, a brand new thing? Like we're no longer like if you go to Animal Kingdom and you see Pandora, it's the forest of Pandora. So now we're in a whole different thing. Is Animal Kingdom going to get a water world? Because I would go there. <laughs> that would oh be so cool. Um oh what did you guys think when you realized, you know, the rest of this movie is essentially going to be in water? Because I was I was actually excited. Like, Eddie, what did you think about this transition to the water people? Um, yeah, I definitely. <clears throat> no, I definitely enjoyed this. Another look at Pandora, another uh, another aspect of Pandora that we're exploring. So something new. When I first heard about it, that was kind of corny. Mm. Oh, we're going to the sea, you know, next stop, the ocean. Um, but I. I, um, I I enjoyed it. I kind of enjoyed this kind of like, um, I don't even, I wouldn't, I'm trying to think of like exactly, but it's, it's kind of like, you know, like it's another step of him where they have to kind of give up their culture, give up their, their way of life and take up a new way of life. And this time it's about the survival of his family for yeah. him and the survival of his family. Yeah. On something new. Um, and make it make it their home mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you know so, it's yeah, you get the feel of people like who get displaced because of war you know families of ukraine you know you get you get that you know kind of vibe of of especially of, of even Im- immigrant parents who are saying this is our home now we have to make this work you know speak the language yeah. learn the customs in. yeah yeah you know? yeah uh, the immigration parent, yeah, for sure. Uh, and it's so interesting, too, because, like, everyone has a different dynamic there. But it really does focus more on the children. And they're kind of, like, looking to um, assimilate. Uh, the older brother, he he does very well. He actually has a girl crush, uh, you know, and she comes out of the water <laughs> like a music God. video, which made me personally laugh out loud in the theater. Um, but, you know, he fits in really well. But, of course, Loak, he does not. And, you know, he is constantly at odds and, and to the point where he has physical altercations with some of the children there, um, you know, because they treat them differently. You have five fingers instead of four. You know, you guys are from the forest. You don't even know how to ride this animal creature. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? So, like, the dynamics, it happens instantly. Um, yeah, Brandon, what did you think about when we went to the water world and everything that got established there? I loved it. Like, you know, just like the change of uh, geography. Um, I remember that was my biggest complaint about a lot of sci-fi movies. Like, just like, and I even, even I remember reading that James Cameron also had an issue with it. He's like, he, he's like, in Star Wars, like an entire planet that's a desert or an entire planet that's fire. I think he called it mono ecosystems or something like that. And mm. like, that's not how planets work. Yeah. So being able to see a diversity in the creatures, like, you know, rather than just having what type of Navi you have multiples variations, it's like very, uh, it's kind of echoes like real life in general. Like, you know, we're not the same race. We're not the same different types of 
people across different geographies. So that was a cool change. And um, yeah, this, this scene, being able to, um, oh, just, like a, just like one small thing, I think it was the younger brother, Loak, that had the brush on uh, what's are you, her face. Are you sure it was the younger Hot. brother and not the older brother who was establishing the relationship? Or? I could be wrong. I mean, they looked, they both, that was the thing. They both looked so freaking similar. I was just yeah. like, like, there were times I was just like, I don't know which one's which. At least give one of them like a scar or something like that. So it was Oh my gosh, I guess I totally said that wrong. Sorry. <laughs> uh, like Brandon said, they kind of looked alike. And I didn't even really... Sorry. <laughs> I didn't get who Took was until like the last um, half hour of the movie. So. <laughs> um, Actually, Nicole, um, <laughs> if you were paying attention. I didn't mean to um actually you on that one. But, you know, yeah, I really like this new change from like to see other... I like this little travel log of a series that James Cameron is having us go through. No, absolutely. And this is actually when I start getting a little emotionally connected with the film. Um, because also then when you think about how they pulled this off, it's kind of like astounding because it just it looks so beautiful. Um, I heard that Kate Winslet broke records for holding her breath underwater. Uh, she broke Tom Cruise's record for Rogue Nation. So like, that's impressive. <laughs> Seven minutes, right? Something like that, 720? Yeah. And so just to, like, think, okay, like, they, this isn't your average, like, animation. Like, this isn't completely done on a computer, you know, by a bunch of talented artists. This, this is actually recreated on a soundstage, soundstage to such extensive sets. And that's why everything, like, flows differently. You know, it feels different than uh, an, a typical animation film would. So for me, I was just... And, of course, the introduction... Of the whale-like creatures. Uh, I forgot what they're called. <laughs> Haluk, I think. Haluk. Oh, my gosh. That Tolkun. 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 There you go. Yeah. I was instantly uh, smitten. And, of course, you in you introduce an animal into the equation. I mean, you're I'm always going to be sold and my heart is going to be pulled. My heartstrings are going to be pulled at. Uh, but the, the Tolkun addition to this just was everything for me. Because Loak establishes a relationship with a, a kind of like um, a disgraced Tulkan, if you will. You know, one that, you know, did things differently by the law that the Tulkan abide by. But then, you know, you realize why he did a little bit later. This whole storyline happens. Um, this is when I got into the movie. It took about an hour or so for me to really get into it. And it was all because of these creatures. Uh, I think it was also kind of a little unfair of James Cameron to do it because it was so easy and for you to be like so emotionally connected because they are kind of like these whale substitutes. Um, but I mean, whatever. I was all for it. I actually, you know, spoiler alert, there are people who are hunting Tulkun in this movie and you see them hunt and kill a Tulkun that just so happens to be Ronal's Tulkun. And when she cries over that Tulkun, oh my God. Oh, was, they didn't just kill. They didn't just kill her. They just killed. They killed the baby also. Yeah, they and, killed the baby oh, too. Oh God. Yeah, and you know oh. the real life parallels become really, really strong. Um, so I was, I was a mess <laughs> personally. I, what did you guys think about the Tulkun, uh, Brandon? I, it, I, you know, I, I'm like, I'm like a huge fan of. Uh, David at no not David Attenborough was it Richard Attenborough David Attenborough yes. one of the Attenboroughs uh, of planet Earth mm -hmm. so right off the bat you know when we introduced the ocean like marine life and all that I'm already sold and just it helped a lot that you know we all love whales if you don't you're a monster uh, and speak and the bond the the bond not just like in a, like a, it's almost like like a cult, the cultural bond between the the reef people and the Tolkien is just such a nicely really i mean it sounds easy it, it, it's, but it's like it like like it's all oh, it's just, this is just a short like a real easy way to pull the audience in to feel sympathy for him but he, he they can't the fact that they took the effort to kind of include you know the cultural aspects of the Tolkien themselves—they're more yeah. than just talking whales. They're—they have ascension. They have ascensions to them. That's beyond just being able to communicate with a dog or something like that. Mm -hmm. They have a yeah. culture, but we yeah. just don't see it because they're whales. It, that was a really cool way to kind of grow into a little more complex thing. So when we finally see the whale hunting, we're like, "No, you're not. Yeah, you're hunting, but you're not just hunting whales. You're hunting people down. Like you know, like in." 
and they have no they're, they're just choosing even like they said they have no they have a code of not killing anything and not fighting back so it's like yeah they're making it easy for you because they don't want to fight back they're choosing not to fight back and yeah. that was a really that made that double triple folded all that heartbreak when you finally come to that moment when Ronal is like just yeah. devastated at the death of her her pen her pen pal her, her friend <laughs> yeah. and her and almost like her familiar uh to yeah. use a term from the golden compass um yeah i mean it really hits home you know this kind of like overall message too about you know con- conservationism but also like respecting the land and the people that you live with um uh, which i think is one of the major themes of avatar uh there are probably a, a, there's a bunch but for me, like, it's not just your fellow man or people who look differently than you. Like, it, it really focused now on animals. And, you know, I mean, animals are passing from our lives and we treat them terribly. And I think a lot of people kind of don't know, don't like being quote unquote preached to when it comes to that. But like kind of really displaying the cruelty then and the indifference that we treat animal life, I think, is was important to show because it was real. You cried when you watched that. If you cried, you should have cried um, because you knew you know that this happens in real life. You know that this is a real thing that happens. And, and that was the hardest. And I think that the one thing that works for me uh, mainly with Avatar is beneath it all. It's this kind of like huge conservationist, you know, film where it's like we need to protect and we need to save and we need to respect this planet. Um, I know James Cameron, although he has been called out. You know, he has dedicated a lot of the last 13 years since making the first Avatar film to conservationism. And he is actually like he puts his money where his mouth is. Uh, Maybe not as much as some people would like, but he is doing something. So, uh, Eddie, you have any thoughts on the Tulkan? So it's it's interesting because for... For this, the, the way they're represented is almost being in the sense of that they are they were like the 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 spiritual relatives of 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 this tribe so it was this was like her spiritual sister Mm -hmm. and uh and and when the scientist was the scientist the human scientist that was studying them um saying that their brains are so complex um that you know he's pointing out things of like they can process philosophy and art and beauty, you know, and to think of like, just because something is shaped a certain way or uses a different medium of existing, doesn't mean that they are less than, yeah. um, than let's say, let's say we are, you know, uh, almost like, like Pandora was probably more their world than anyone else's. Yeah. Um, we're rating it by intelligence. We're rating it by um, morality and and spiritual development. Then they they're high up on the chart. Uh, but you do, yeah. You you get the sense of like what you get. You you think of like what are how are we also in the process of doing this to our own? The the animals that live on this world, other beings, other things that live on this world. Um, that we probably have no idea how they process the world and the beauty that they see. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, it does kind of like, it definitely pulls on those heartstrings um, and makes you wonder. It's like, you know, earth, they're coming to Pandora because they already fucked up earth, mm-hmm. you know? So you're already coming and you just think of just like humans. They're just like, the garbage. You know, when you <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the garbage like you everything here and you're just willing to devastate a whole planet once again so you can yeah so you can you can live here so you can build your bullshit here yeah so i love how we didn't learn anything no yeah i love how so many movies are rooted in like that basic concept like we're idiots we're you know to blame for our own demise and like and it's so funny because uh, we'll constantly do that as a kind of like thesis statement to all of our media, but like it doesn't sink in when it comes to real life, you know? Right. Um, so it's just a it, nice touch of it, irony. It's kind of funny. Like the t- it's kind of telling that like the two biggest, like 
like I, I recently just uh, I saw RRR, which is also about anti, totally super anti-colonialism. Mm -hmm. And then you have this movie that is like, you know, anti-colonialism in, in that world where the human being, human race as a, in general, just really, <laughs> we're going to be like this in a couple hundred years, you know, and it's pretty amazing. It's, it's, it, it, it's amazing how those two movies actually really drew in a massive draw of people because we all we all pretty much can accept you know just as a as a general cultural across the board uh colonial 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 colonists really imperialism suck <laughs> in general yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, we can all agree that being mean to other people and other animals is just bad. <laughs> just, <laughs> I mean, I hope so. I hope that's one thing that we can walk away from Avatar Way of Water agreeing on. Um, so uh, so pretty much this whole film kind of uh, climaxes uh, in a huge James Cameron set piece, which I was like, James Cameron is back, baby. I was so excited uh, for the climax of this movie where shit just goes down. And everyone gets involved. You know, we got Quaritch and, and his tools. We got people, you know, working for the government. We got the Tulkun killers. And then we got the whole Reef people and the Tulkun joining in on the fight. Um, and everything climaxes. Jake and Quaritch fight. You know, Spider and his loyalties are questioned. And then, you know, there's this big kind of like maze of all the characters kind of being stuck in his sunken ship looking to escape. I mean, it kind of goes on and on. And it's this huge action piece that recalls James Cameron's Titanic, recalls aliens and, and the abyss. You know, he, he loves water. Um, I thought it was so well done. That's, again, James Cameron was back. I mean, this guy knows how to do action. He might not uh, write the best dialogue, but God damn it, he can make a good action set piece. Uh, and again, we talked about Kiri's establishment as kind of like this messiah-like creature. You know, she's able to rescue her family due to her being so in touch with the water of Pandora. So much happens. Um, you guys have any thoughts on, on the finale? Like, Eddie, you got any thoughts on that whole ending piece? Oh, when also the oldest brother. We already said it. He dies. <laughs> I, I, um, I mean, I loved it. I, my heart was racing throughout throughout those whole scenes. I mean, it was it giving me all that I wanted. I was just like, yeah, down with those military humans and yeah. they're destructive. Then, you know. Take that, Edie Falco. With, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, and the guy with that super duper harpoon thing. I was just like, when is he going to be crushed to death? Yeah. You know. Just, Theirs was you, so satisfying. Had, that was such a good payoff. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. We were like every screening, both screenings, there were just people were just like screaming, yeah. And it was, oh my god, it was so yeah. great. Yeah, no, I mean it was kind of nonstop, um, and it's it's everything that you want out of like a big operatic action set piece. Uh, Brandon, any thoughts on it or? Um, like honestly, like if anybody else can do, if you ever want to do a sinking ship on into the middle of the ocean, sort of like action set piece, it's you know James Cameron's your man for sure. Like, yeah, it, yeah. It's, it was amazing, and I'm kind of wondering how he did all that. Like, like yeah, I, I can't even picture how they did all that stuff in real life with like in that tank. And yeah, <laughs> I would really like to know how that was all how that all came down in the in the B bts uh stuff because wow no um, i i yeah uh did you watch any of those or i watched a lot but not nothing in specific nothing specific it was all really mainly about like you know the technical stuff like uh like the camera rig that they actually the camera set up the sensor set up for the animation mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um which is insane like they actually they actually had to create a whole new thing for it in general because um, yeah, because they had to do motion capture underwater, which is like crazy. Yeah. And, you know, it's so crazy because, I mean, we just spent a whole bunch of time on the story and stuff. But you guys went to see Avatar in IMAX 3D. So you went for the visuals. And this mm. is kind of where I start to be kind of like in the middle of how I feel about this film. Because if you think about it, if this film was done live action or if it was done traditionally, would this film have worked? Would it have gotten the audience that it got? Like, are we there 
to see this story or are we there to be immersed in this world? And do they go together? Is it a different experience? Like, I don't know, like how much do you guys feel like the story for Avatar is actually important to the legacy of Avatar? Uh, I don't know. Brandon, what do you think? Um, I talked with a friend uh, who's a writer, a filmmaker, actually, and we were kind of talking after seeing the movie and we both agreed that the simplicity of the story made like, you know, was a draw to get to get everybody into the butts in the seats. You know, it's not a Marvel movie where you have to know, you know, so and so's backstory. You have to see the post credit sequences. It's basically pretty much humans are evil, Navi bad, Navi good. Um, and you have refugees, everybody can associate with those stories and the characters, you know, the ch- children miss their homes. I, actually, you were kind of sobbing about the whales. I was actually really like, it hit a nerve when Took kind of said, I just want to go home. And I'm just like, I, I get your, I get. but you know, but like, I think ultimately, even if it wasn't a, uh, it wouldn't have done as well for sure. Cause the visuals and the fact that it's an IMAX movie, it wouldn't have done as well as it if it was in in live action but we have like i feel that cameron has a really good way of kind of like finding like the main through line in his stories that kind of like forgives the faults of like the overall the dialogue that gets you drawn in for just for the action or for the set pieces yeah um titanic you know it's just a sinking ship yes but then you throw the the like I still think personally that's my favorite. That's my favorite Cameron movie. Even people can argue with me all you want about aliens. aliens and all that. It's aliens. It's Titanic. <laughs> but but like he, but he managed to find like get us like to this day talking about Jane uh, about uh, Rose and Jack's you know rip, like love story. Yeah. Hackneyed though that love story was, it's like you know it still drew us in and that was made us like sit down for three hours and I can watch it over and over again, you know. And so it's, 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 there's a give and take. I don't think it would have done as well, but it still would have drawn a lot of people to the theaters, I think. Yeah. Eddie, what about you? Do you think the story is what, you know, is, is the key to Avatar The Way of Water? Very much agree. Very much agree with what Brandon said, but yeah. uh, the, definitely the uh, way the Pandora is, the world is, it, it, it invites you, it seduces you, it, it, it 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 captivates you like this is like like uh what James Cameron said it's like um it's like Eden with teeth and claws mm-hmm. you know and this is like Eden it's like this beautiful world um that calls you for con- connectivity because everything is connected in Pandora everything's connected the 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 plants and the animals it's it's all one and and the people it's all one it's one living massive thing um that it's just calling for life um so that that has so pandora in itself is is complex and then you you have you have this story it's yeah definitely simple it's it's about family it's about home it's about uh, it's about found family almost too yeah. the spider is is part of that yeah that story um it's about what it is to be invited to a new community and be accepted into that community be welcomed too. So you have a lot of these these uh, great but simple ideas um, that definitely draw out the the humanity in us. Like, what are we doing? Mm. You know, I mean, I'm thinking about like uh, you know, like th- things that we achieve, and and then the things that we take for granted, and uh, remind us of our own personal journey, our own stories. Um, and our, our, and just like, you know, what, what's our, what's our responsibility to, to even our, you know, our environment, our world, to the things around us. You know, so, I mean, I am leaning towards that. I like this movie um, because I, well, I enjoyed it 100% more than the first, but, you know, hearing you guys kind of like feels, I, I agree with it because if you listen to this podcast a lot, guys. Rolando and I always have this kind of major disagreement about what it is that makes a film. Rolando thinks it's story, and I disagree. I think that it's visuals, and I wouldn't even say story. I would say content, because not every film has a story. 
and maybe narrative film does, but there are all types of films and films go about, you know, conveying what they want to say differently. So here is presented a film that I think the story is not what is driving people to the theater. It's the experience. It's an experiential film. It's like when people went and saw 2001 A Space Odyssey or like when people heard about Star Wars. It was just like something that they had never seen done in an immersive kind of experience and they went there to be immersed in it. And so in that way, I love this film, but story-wise, it was predictable. I've seen it before. And maybe I've seen it done better or at least told better. But is that, does that matter? You know, and it's, it's something that I'm still kind of like, before we hopped on the call, you know, I told the guys, I'm like, I'm in the middle somewhere because, you know, I can't 100% praise it because <laughs> it's unoriginal, but it's the most beautiful, like strikingly beautiful unoriginal film I've ever seen. Um, and it has transcended the type of filmmaking that is pretty much going to be the standard in 10, 20 years for Hollywood. But I think this is also a good portion for us to throw in some criticism that this film has faced. So I'm going to read a little bit of a BuzzFeed article that came out on December 14, 2022, and I'll put it in the show notes. Uh, critics called Avatar The Way of Water, quote, unacceptably, unacceptably, sorry, paternalistic, end quote, and condemned its depiction of the indigenous Navi as, quote, both romantic and ahistorical. At the New York Times, David Brooks summed up the shallowness of Avatar. It rests on the assumption that non-whites need the white messiah to lead their crusades. Huh. So we did say that Kiri is the messiah and Kiri is not a natural born Navi. Right. What do we think about this criticism? Like, do, does this, do you think, yeah, that's 100% right. Do you think it though adds to it? Do you think it takes away from it? Like, I mean, it's, this film is far from perfect in terms of its story and it does have problems. You know I mean? We're watching people who are clearly nods to people, you know, of Africa, to indigenous people of South America and other parts of this world. Like, and it's, it's a little weird because Kate Winslet's playing one of them, <laughs> uh, you know, different, like rich Hollywood people are playing them. So, you know, it kind of feels weird, but uh, I thought this was a really interesting criticism. So uh, I don't know. What do you think about that, Brandon? It's a, um, it's, I, okay, so I'm, I tend to kind of put away like the, the, sub, like the subtext that a lot of like critics kind of, kind of throw into, throw into it. Like, mm. like, I'm not saying that it's, it's not something I don't, I just, I just, I don't consider. Cause for example, like, yeah, Jake Sullivan is, Jake Sully is definitely a white guy. I even thought that with mean, the first avatar, yeah, it's a white guy coming in basically, you know, taking in their culture and then becoming that, that that's where the problematic part of dancing with wolves come in like you know or last samurai even where he yep. takes in their culture and then he just basically moves in with them mm -hmm. but at the same time it's not like he's like it's not like he's taking that culture back and then coming back to earth and then just you know you know like you know resell it selling 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 navi weapons or selling navi merchandise or something like that he's coming in and really trying to save them in a way and kind of like because they but because ultimately they're the they've all had these underlying hostilities about humanity to begin with jake Soli is just coming in and he's like the catalyst because now we have somebody who actually does who acclimated and respects everything that though that that culture has and why it, they should not be touched. It's not like he's inviting people to come in from the from the from the earth to come learn and live within the culture. He's like basically saying, okay, well, I'm it. Cool. Maybe Norman and that other guy can come in and then, you know, become avatars. But otherwise, leave them alone. Yeah. Um, I mean, are we gonna call Jane Goodall like the white messiah of chimpanzees? I don't think so. <laughs> but so like that's the kind of thing that I'm kind of feeling is like, you know, I'm on the fence about. Like, I don't think James Cameron was trying to like make any other message aside from by like, you know, the ecology, kindness, you know, hmm. empathy, empathy. But if you're thinking of using this as an example to kind of talk about, you know, like, like cult, like cultural or race issues, I feel like you're kind of like, this is outside of Cameron's depth or, uh, mm. or uh, 
Yeah, well, let me throw one more quote into the mix then. LA Times, Justin Chang, he wrote that, quote, James Cameron has always been married to and complimented by an unapologetic cornball classicism. So, you know, James Cameron's corny. He loves his romantic and and his classic tropes. I mean, same thing that I felt when I watched Avatar Way of Water was the same thing I felt when I watched Top Gun Maverick, one of the best movies of last year, which was, wow, they don't make movies like this anymore. They don't tell stories like this anymore. It's not very tongue in cheek. It's not ironic. It's not like winking at me. It's taking itself seriously, even though it's the cheesiest thing I've ever seen. And I kind of felt nostalgic for movie going for movie going experiences like that. Um, so I agree with you, but it's like, but is it a subconscious thing? You know, like this representation uh, right. issue. You can't help but think. You can't help but think it. I mean, we're all like, you know, we're all also aware of the Hollywood machine. Also, it's not like yeah. you know, we're yeah. like so. If it if it at least gives you like a moment to pause and think, I think that's already a really good thing. Like you know, like we're all thinking, you know, why is Jake Sully have to be the one that kind of comes in and you know save the day? Uh, why couldn't Natiri come in and be the one that kind of drive ho- drive home everything that you know that makes Pandora so important um I did I st- and you know give her a sense of urgency um and I think her urgency actually in the movie in in way of water just her maternal instincts I think that was just beautifully done and now there was also that moment where uh there was a pregnant reef person going into battle like you know absolutely no <laughs> you know like, I mean that was pretty awesome I mean was it a like I feel like it was much better done again than I've always still feel that way, but it was much better done than than the women of Marvel seat moment in uh, in Endgame, like when all the women are like, "We'll we'll do this," and I'm just like, "Oh God, oh God." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Eddie, do you have any thoughts on this? Um, I think I'll pass on this one. I think I really have. <laughs> oh, God. You're not gonna touch that with a uh, April poll. They need to um, kind of like chew on it a little bit more uh, because you know me, I'm, I have a very forgiving heart when I when I watch these movies. I'm, I'm super corny myself and I love all these kind of like these tropes, you know, I'll eat them up. I'll eat them up because I know it's, it's there are underlying stories that we continue to tell each other um, that I feel like are just so important to tell. Yeah. Um, this is kind of one of them. Then this will take another shape down the line in a couple of years. We'll see another version of this, mm-hmm. uh, this yeah. of 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 someone discovering something and realize that we have to protect it. Yeah. And um, you know, and the whole thing of you know the indigenous people, um, what we've done to 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 natives or Native Americans. Um, you know, you know these kind of these kind of things of, of respect the planet. Uh, so these these things will, these stories will continue to to reappear, and and I definitely I think it's very important. I think we 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 need stories to inspire and make sure that we don't forget. Yeah. You know. No. Oh, one hundred percent. It's full of us. Um, you know, humanity has not always been at its best and we've shit it on each other. Yeah. And do, can we do better? The question is, can we do better? You know, yeah. Um, the one thing that I wanted to kind of add to that, you know, and, and to the overall conversation is that you could really make uh, an allegory to, say, the trans community using this film. Um, mm-hmm. You might not be born a certain way and you might feel like, you know, you were born the wrong way and you want to transition to who you feel like you really, truly are, at least in your soul. Does that make you any less a man or a woman or a person? You know, like that is one that not a lot of people, at least that I am aware of, I might be ignorant to, you know, discourse about this, but that is an interesting parallel. You know, instead of thinking of it as like kind of like a race thing, even though I get it, it is very much a race thing. You know, there is a a different way, you know, because there are people who, live like this they exist in our lives you know the whole trans community this is something that you know can be can be really seen as something that is i think supportive of that community and makes a good argument 
you know, for uh, that community. So that's just one thing that I wanted to throw into the mix. Uh, all right, guys. Well, we've we've been at it for a bit now. Um, do we have any closing remarks before we uh, we close up for Avatar: The Way of Water? Brandon, any closing thoughts? Um, when I was kind of preparing for this talk, I actually kind of realized uh, I was trying to figure out for the longest time why. How did when did Korish become an an F, a Navi? At one point during mm. the course of the movies. Is that because remember the, during the briefing when mm-hmm. he's watched when he's like when he's watching his OG self talk to him he says if you're gonna fi- if you if you're gonna f- if you uh, were wondering who you might go after on my untimely death it'll be Jake Sully I'm like when did you realize that Jake Sully was the person that might kill you because like <laughs> over because you know he's watching talking about this over the webcam and they're like on their way to Earth. And he already targeted Jake Sully, but I'm like trying to figure out at what point during Avatar, I know we're not supposed to talk about Avatar 1, but he, what point at Avatar 1 when did Quaritch, you know, realize he was going to have a clone of himself, a Navi clone. And then um, anyways, that was one thing. And then the other one was about (laughs) Norman, Norman uh, being, you know, uh, a Navi. I was trying to figure out when he got his new body because where did the money come from to make a new, to grow a new body? Mm. I, I love these nitpicks. Yes. Yeah, I'm I sound like I'm nitpicking, but anyways. No, no, no you that, know, but this, it's valid. Like, <laughs> I was like, you know, was he, did he, did he do a crowdfunding? Is there crowdfunding like in <laughs> the year 20, 2200 or something? But anyways. Did he lose his, um, lose his body in the first one? Yeah. Uh, Norman died. Uh, his, his avatar died in the first one. Like he's got, he gets riddled with bullets and then literally Norman wakes up and he's like, oh, oh, cause he thought he got shot. Like, you know, so uh, his body's destroyed, <laughs> but so maybe he had a backup. I don't know. Maybe they had, they prepared a backup. I don't know. But like, I, like but they made a point in the first avatar that this is a very expensive piece of uh, body that they, that they're harvesting. Cause you know, they have to grow them and develop them and transport them to like light years to to Pandora. So yeah, where'd that money come from? <laughs> how does money work on Pandora too? How is, how, yeah, maybe crypto, maybe crypto is a thing <laughs> in the future. They, they really got their shit together. And I then think so. If anything, humanity can unite with it's 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 terrifying. It's uh, colonizing other planets and also crypto. Cryptocurrency, so. NFTs, baby. Yeah, man. <laughs> like for some reason, when they were, when they were talking about how much that vial of immortal juice was from the Tolkien. And I was like, I think he said like 85 million or something like that, a pop. And I was like, that's not, doesn't sound, that doesn't sound like a whole lot for immortality juice. I would, one little vial, 85 million. I feel like I would, th- people would throw more money to kind of ask for yeah, that. Yeah, you know I mean? seriously. Like, I think, I don't, yeah, I don't know. Anyways, that's, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe James Cameron can explain that in Avatar 3, the, the fire the co- within the, fi- the cost the cost of dollars or something i don't know <laughs> uh eddie what are some of your closing thoughts uh i'm wondering if they're gonna bring um the sigourney weaver character back so hmm. oh, uh, huh. uh, like connected underwater to the underwater tree of life um and she had that encounter you know, it makes me wonder if, if, if like her consciousness is somehow like downloaded within <laughs> Pandora, and 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 even the Avatar itself is still alive. They're still keeping it alive. So, honestly, that's uh, how I thought Quaritch was going to come back. I thought that you know, I thought that somehow like Awa was going to be like, you know what, you know, I want this guy to understand. Like you know what nature, what our world is like, and then he, she would like bring him, bring his consciousness back into a, <laughs> into a Navi somehow. So, but you know he would come back, and you know he would play a, basically a teenage Quaritch or something like that, like Navi Quaritch. But um, hmm. I hope Sigourney yeah. Weaver is downloaded, and then she can become like Hal Nine Thousand, and maybe she's the villain for the oh. third Avatar, and like she has to defeat her own mama or something, you know. You never know where they could go. That's that's good. Somebody tell James Cameron that. 
Well, Cameron did say that the fire avatar, that he's going to throw in something a little more like a darker side to the Navi culture, uh, whether with the Ash people, I think he's calling the fire people the Ash Navi. Mm. Um, he mentioned that for that one, it's going to be a little bit more, it's not just going to be about, oh, the sacred, the, the sacred like relationship of Pandora. Now you're gonna, he's going to introduce a darker side that's a little more like, you know, maybe they do sympathize with the Marines. I don't know. But. Oh, is that the third one or the fourth one? Third or fourth, I'm not sure. I'm just, okay. you know, but way of, well, I, you know, I'm all, I drank the Kool-Aid, the Avatar Kool-Aid. So I'm, yep. I'm, I'm game for three or four, you know, keep him, keep him up. Yeah, I mean, we're definitely getting four. I think at some point he said five, so we'll see. if they, This film has to make $2 billion in order for it to move forward with next film. So they're almost there. They're almost at $1.8 billion. <laughs> so that's that's what I'm, way, I'm way happier with this than I was finding out that Fantastic Beasts was gonna like, originally going to have five movies. I'm like, there's no freaking way. So unnecessary, so yeah, yeah. And that whole last film, as much as I do enjoy it, because I love Harry Potter, was just like nothing. Like you could just throw that whole movie away and like still be back on track to the plot. Oh no, yeah, but yeah. So I, I'm game for Avatar, and I don't know what they would do. Like I think the hype machine really did help. Like Pandora, I I don't know if you've been, you guys have been to the park. It's yes. freaking gorgeous. It's so great. Just, that ride is my favorite. They did some such a, some amazing stuff with that entire land, and it. I, I was skeptical about it when they first announced it, but then going there for the first time, it was just like, all right, well, Kool-Aid drunk, I'm I'm game. Yeah. Or whatever whatever that drink was that the slush the the pen the Navi slushy was. Oh, that like, I didn't have. Yeah. Oh. I, don't, I don't drink the drinks. I just ride the rides. <laughs> yeah, they was they they had some foods there too. They had like some <laughs> local Navi delicacies. So. Yeah, I guess I didn't do it right. I, I get. I'm just like all about the rides. So when I go back to Disney, um, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta do it. I just find it funny because like the park kind of t- kind of implies that you know they op- they did that the that the native Navi of that area like invite encourage tourists to come visit uh, Pandora, which yeah. is ironic because in the movies like no they weren't supposed. That was the whole point of it. And I was just like, okay, well this is kind of counterintuitive. Again, yep, but... humans just ruining things again. Yeah, humans coming in, like, you know, leaving all their crap. Because you literally see this crap, stro- like, m- like marine stuff, like, strewn about yeah. in the parks. So it's like, yeah. oh, well, you know, great. We're still littering, littering, even, you know, other planets, <laughs> even in real life. So. Have we learned anything? Probably not. <laughs> but all right, guys. Well, this is it for Avatar Way of Water. Have you seen it? It's like been out for a month. You should probably go see it in IMAX 3D before it closes. You only have like two months left of it being in the theaters. Uh, but if you have and you have any thoughts on this episode, email us, remakes, reboots, revivals at gmail.com. You can hit us up on Instagram at remakes, reboots, revivals and on Twitter at remakes podcast. And if you enjoy this podcast, please find us on your podcast listening platform and give us a rating. And if you can give us a review, we would appreciate that too. Uh, always a pleasure with you at EZ and Brandon. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. I love, I love being able to talk to you guys about it. I haven't spoken to anybody really about it after seeing the movie twice. So. Oh my it's gosh. Great. Yes. Thank you saw it twice and he saw it in LA and he has really cool film experiences over in LA. I'm really jealous. So <laughs> come on out. <laughs> All right, guys, until next time, stay unoriginal. <laughs>